Well, hello, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. This is my home, my dog, my fireplace, and it's a joy to be with you. I wouldn't have been doing these fireside chats, as we call them, every week if I weren't getting such positive feedback, to be perfectly honest with you. This was uh, almost an afterthought we had about two years ago, and we're in the 800,000 view uh, area, and that means, I guess, about a million people, because you don't assume just one person is seeing every video. That's a lot. That's a lot. I don't take these things for granted, even though PragerU has a billion views. Uh, I don't uh, knock a million, <laughs> to say. That's, that's a pretty serious number. And I'm very gratified because it's completely unrehearsed, totally spontaneous. I just share thoughts with you in the hope that it will clarify life for you and give you a better life. I mean, that's, that's what's the best thing you could do with your life is try to better other people's lives. I've always believed that. So that's, that's my aim in the final analysis. So what I'm going to do today, I don't know if I've done this in about 80. I've done it once before. Is that right? You would know. Megan knows. That is the motto of our fireside chats. Megan knows. Okay, so I did it once before, and your questions are so rich that uh, I don't see why not to why not do it unless I have something that I really want to focus on in the beginning. And that's what I normally do is focus on something and then take questions. So your questions are very important, obviously, because they help make mm, it all worth it. Okadoke, Ryan, 16, Turlock, California. You know, I live in California, but I don't know most of the cities. And I've lived here, oh, God, a long time. But uh, I don't know. You, ever, you know where Turlock is? You guys never heard of it either. Wherever Turlock is, hello to you, Ryan. What is your opinion on online dating? If I were single, I would, well, I have to make something clear. I, I couldn't do it because I'm a public figure and it, it, it would look a little funny, I think. Wouldn't it look funny? If I, if I were single and I were on an online dating site... <laughs> but if I were not a public figure, I would definitely go on an online dating site. I don't understand one single objection to it. Do you know that? That's what's amazing. I have raised this question on my radio show. And uh, by the way, for those of you anywhere in the world, you can hear my radio show on the internet or on local radio in the United States and in, in, in most cities. So you just know that I talk about things for three hours a day on the radio. It's a lot. It's a lot of radio. And obviously interact with callers uh, every so often. I have raised this issue and callers have raised objections, which made no sense to me. How are you going to meet if you want to marry? And I hope you do. If you want to marry, how are you going to find a potential spouse? Through your cousin your cousin's going to introduce you. How many people, how many qualified people, potent, forget qualified, potential people 
Does you, and all of your relatives, do all of your relatives put together know that they could introduce you to? Five? Eight? That's a lot, if that's true. Same with friends. How many people do they know who might be a, a good partner for you? So what, what is your other choice? Uh, bars? I'm not, I don't knock meeting a person at a bar. It's fine. But again, how many people can you meet at a bar? Two, three, four. And that's if you're lucky. That's if they want to talk to you. <laughs> uh, I, I, don't, I don't understand why there's an objection. It's not a safety issue. They don't know your address. They don't know your phone number. They know your email address, perhaps, or, or, or whatever info you give in that regard. I guess email address, right, would be the most obvious, which is not traceable. And, and so what's the big deal? And then finally, if you talk on the phone, uh, well, then they will know your phone number, presumably. Or you, but you could do it through, I guess, WhatsApp, and then they don't know your phone. Well, I, I guess they do, yeah, they would, yeah. But it, it doesn't matter. Uh, anyway, uh, you by the time you start talking on the phone, presumably you will have corresponded, uh, corresponded via the Internet. Uh, so safety, I have not heard, I'm, I don't say it hasn't happened, people get hurt meeting at bars. But I have not heard of anybody who was hurt as a result of, of internet meeting uh, and was careful. Uh, so anyway, if you want a risk-free life, you won't meet anybody. So uh, I, don't, I don't see an objection. In fact, I actually sort of envy... Uh, single people these days, especially young people, I would have a, I would have such a fun time on an online dating site because I would write what really mattered to me and get maybe no responses. <laughs> I, I admit it, but it would still be, what if I got five? Then those five are, are I'm presumably wanting, in my case, to meet a woman. Uh, that would be five quality women because I would say what I, what matters to me. Uh, I'm, and it's not going to be Italian food, and here are my three favorite movies. I don't know what that tells you about somebody. Uh, when, when when people list, you know, oh, I love, uh, you know, this actor or this actress, or, I mean, I, I, I've seen stuff listed, and I think, you think you're going to meet a quality person through telling trivia? It's trivia what movies you ultimately like because it's totally personal taste. So I love Groundhog Day. If you don't love Groundhog Day, does that tell me you're not, you're not worthy material for my dating? Uh, it's So uh, I would be as honest as possible. By the way, there are a lot of, not a lot, I don't know about a lot, but there are people who have written you know, under interests or whatever, you know, my name or somebody else who has my values. And that's a very good idea because you want to meet somebody who shares your values. So that's, that's a perfect thing to do. I, I like X, Y, or Z. I, I don't mean actors. Uh, I mean thinkers, but of course not, or, or speakers or whatever it might be. Anyway, I'm completely pro uh, in, uh, online dating. Did I answer that? I mean, did I leave any anything unspoken? Okay, good. 
All right, next. Amadeus, 18 in Sweden. Hi, Amadeus. How would you describe the difference between nationalism and patriotism? Is one more preferable? Are they both, quote-unquote, good? So I'm told a lot by people who hate the word nationalism that patriotism is a good thing and nationalism is a bad thing. So I understand what they mean, but I, I think that they are making too big a distinction. What does patriotic mean? It, it means you love the patria. Patria is Latin for fatherland. You, why, why is that different from loving your nation? A patriot loves his or her nation. That's what a patriot is about. So what is nationalism? A nationalism is the celebration of your nation. Can nationalism be used for evil? Everything can be used for evil. Water can be used for evil. Correct? You could drown innocent people. Water then is used for evil. Nothing exists that cannot be used for evil. God has been used for evil, and God to me is the source of goodness. There is nothing. Religion can be used for evil. Nationalism, patriotism, internationalism, humanism, humanity, there is everything could be used for evil. The human ability to, to use things for evil is infinite. So this notion, nationalism is good and patriotism is bad, what are you patriotic to, if not your nation? It's a, I think it's a phony distinction. But everybody, well, Hitler was a nationalist. Okay, so Hitler was a vegetarian too. So therefore what? Hitler was an animal lover. Does that make loving animals bad? This notion Hitler was a it doesn't, doesn't solve the problem. It means nothing. And there is good nationalism and there is bad nationalism. What is the alternative to nationalism? That you feel nothing toward your nation? You don't celebrate your nation? Why is that good? Does that mean my, that my nation, uh, I don't have any cr critical faculties any longer? I don't morally judge my nation, then you might as well say, don't love your family. I want you to morally judge your family too. But I also want you to have a loyalty to your family. Not a loyalty that transcends good and evil, but loyalty. So uh, I, want, I want nationalism, but not nationalism that transcends good and evil. Nothing should transcend good and evil. Even love. Which is why I, you were right, I should have my lighter. Which is why I, I got distracted because of my cigar. I, I want people to have a healthy national identity. And I am very afraid. I was saying, what is the alternative? What's the alternative? Internationalism? Well, that's scarier to me than nationalism. You don't have a you don't have an identity with regard to, to your own nation, but but you have with regard to all nations. What does that even mean? That, that I'll tell you why I trust nationalism more than internationalism. Because the the narrower the focus, in most instances 
the less corruption there is. If let, let us say you're a true internationalist, you want the United Nations to run the world, including your country, right? That, that's the, the truest internationalist wants the UN to run things. And there are people who do, by the way. They're very, they're very big on the UN, and that's what they would like. I find that scary. To be totally honest, I trust, and I'm talking now morally, I trust the United States more than I trust the United Nations. Okay, there's, a, there's an example. I, 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 there, there may be a number of countries that I would feel that way about. I don't trust the United Nations at all. Not on moral issues. I think it's great to have a World Health Organization and, and the like. I think it could do good in those arenas. But otherwise, it has been more a force allowing evil uh, than suppressing evil uh, since its inception in 1945. But people think that World War I, which was a disaster, a, a horrible disaster, because it gave us World War II. It gave us Nazism and Communism. And uh, th that's among other things. And it had people give up on nationalism. Communism is international. Communism is not nationalistic. Communism is class-based, not nation-based. So they, they really appeal to people. Oh, workers of the world unite. Not Germans unite, not Russians unite, not French unite, not, not English unite. Workers, that's the end of the Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx. Workers of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but your chains. So it is class-based, not nation-based. Think it did any good? It was, it was a horrible disaster. But people learned from World War I because that nations fought nations in the name of their nation, and they, 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 learned the, they learned the wrong lesson. This is what people do all the time. They learn the wrong lessons. It's not just that people don't learn from history. It's that they learn the wrong things from history. So they, they, they learn that the antidote to bad nationalism is no nationalism, not good nationalism. That the antidote is internationalism. That's the battle over Brexit. Half of Britain doesn't want uh, 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 Brussels to control its life. We want to control our lives. That was what the Brexit vote was about. But young people have been, uh, forgive me, brainwashed into internationalism. They've never heard a good word about nationalism. In fact, they haven't even heard a good word about England. Which is really a problem. England has a mixed bag history, but it's it's done more good than bad, and more good than most countries. So uh, this patriotism nationalism difference. Show me who is a patriot who isn't a nationalist. What does that mean? I love my country, but I but I don't love my nation. Okay, so there's no real difference. By the way, you in Sweden, Amadeus, you who asked the question, it's a very interesting question. Do Swedes feel Swedish? I don't know the answer. I'm asking you. Because a, uh, either a former prime minister of Sweden or very high-ranking minister said, Swedish values? What are those? Interesting question. 
I can tell you what American values are. I have a whole book on it called Still the Best Hope. American values are on every coin. Liberty, in God we trust, and e pluribus unum. From many one. Okie Letitia, 24, Glasgow, Scotland. Should I send my two little girls to school if the curriculum involves teaching them progressive ideas of sexuality and gender, which I view as entirely inappropriate? How can I protect them from this? P.S. Love your fireside chats. My husband and I have a rule that we aren't allowed to watch episodes without the other also there. Well, I am touched. My wife and I had a great time in Scotland. A little leftist for my taste, but I live in a, at least as leftist a place. It's called California. So I, 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 I'm used to it. Anyway, uh, if that's why, if your school is teaching your little kids that they'll choose whether they'll be a boy or a girl one day, uh, and, that, and, and even talking about it to them at, at seven, or for that matter, 11, I don't know why it's talked about at all. It's not the school's business. Uh, I would take my kids out of the school if they don't change the school. It's too big a risk. I just reported Charlize Theron, the actress. She's raising her son as a as a girl since he since he I'll still call him he because he's so young. Three since he was three. He's now what is he six? I think he's six been in skirts it's so funny because so few girls now wear skirts but she wants to make sure that her son wears skirts to make sure he's a girl if your three-year-old says mommy i'm a girl uh my answer would be to my a three-year-old son no you're not you're a boy and that's it. That would be my answer. If at the age of 18, a child says it, that's a, that's a different story. But at three, you're, you're going to, you're going to, is she going to give him hormone treatments to, to suppress testosterone and increase estrogen? Is that, is that going to happen? She going to allow him to have surgery to remove his uh, male genitalia, genitalia at 15, at 12? It's a scary proposition. I, I worry about people sending their kids to schools today in the Western world. People who believe in chaos have taken them over. Say hi to your husband. Oh, actually, he's watching. Hi, husband. All right. Now, here we go. Adele, 17, El Dorado Hills, California. Hello, Mr. Prager. Hello, Adele. I currently have an assignment for my government class where we must look at data and determine if democracy is dying. What is your view on the subject? Hmm. I don't believe democracy is dying. I believe that liberty is dying. You can have democracy and not liberty. Uh, Hitler was essentially elected to office. I mean, he didn't get a majority vote, but democracy does not ensure liberty. 
as people vote bigger and bigger government, they're voting for less and less liberty anyway. Because the bigger the government, the less the liberty, by definition. That's why America was unique in having, as an ideal, limited government. That means maximum liberty. So, I don't think, I don't know. They say the left has taken over the schools and the media, so they, they've lied to you because Donald Trump was elected, democracy is dying. What are they talking about? He hasn't done one thing against democracy, not one thing. It's such a gigantic lie. If he, I'll tell you this, if he was anti-democratic, he certainly did a lousy job because the Democrats won that one, uh, one of the two houses of Congress two years after he was elected president. <laughs> if he was killing democracy, he wouldn't have allowed Democrats to win. It's, or they look at Brazil because he, he's on the right, or Poland, or Hungary. Democracy isn't dying. Otto's definitely making himself known right now. I don't maybe the most famous dog in America. Cracks me up. You guys hear him? Really? Should I nudge him and, and have him stop snoring, or is it an okay background? No. Okay. Right, he heard that and stopped. He is such a good dog. Okay. Gina, 57, Buffalo, New York. I would love for Dennis Prager, that's me, to expand on the difference between having knowledge and having wisdom. I read a saying explaining the difference. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is knowing not to put it into a fruit salad. Good one. That's a good one. It would be great if he could expound on this. Thanks for your consideration. I have another analogy. That's a good one. That's fine. I have another one. Knowledge is having a map. A map has, a, has perfect knowledge with regard to streets, avenues, etc. Right? So you look at the map, you know you have the perfect knowledge of where you are. But the map doesn't tell you where you want or need to go. That's wisdom. Where do I need to go in life? Not where do I want to go. Where do I need to go? That's wisdom. Where am I is knowledge. Is that clear? There's no wisdom conveyed in our schools because they're secular. They convey knowledge and they think if they have a lot of knowledge, they're wise. It's not true. What's our time frame here? Okay. George, 74, Ham Lake, Minnesota. Dear Dennis, bless you for what you do. I look forward every week to your wonderful fireside chats. Thank you. You and I grew up in an entirely different America. God, is that true? And I fear the future for my two children and seven grandchildren. My question is, I see the strong possibility of a civil war in our divided country. What are your thoughts? Well, I have been saying and writing, you could see it on the internet, that we are Americans are in a civil war right now. And I always add, thank God it is nonviolent, and may it always be nonviolent. So I assume you're asking, uh, is, the, uh, is there going to be a violent civil war? I pray not. But it is not out of the question. 
uh, and I, I wouldn't have said this even five years ago, but the left has become so anti, so suppressive. I mean, look at look at what uh, Google, which owns YouTube, has done to PragerU videos. L look at the suppression of free speech on campuses. Adam Kroll and I made a movie that will be out called No Safe Spaces, a feature film on this very subject, The Suppression of Liberty. That's, uh, at a given point, people will say you can't suppress us any longer. So it, it's, a, uh, it's a very scary thing. Look, I don't believe that people's natural inclination is toward liberty. Liberty is a value, not an instinct. That's not known. The founders of the United States knew it was. That's why liberty and God we trust, e pluribus unum, that's the American trinity, as I call it, because it's a value. Breathing is not a value. Breathing is an instinct. So nobody advocates breathing because nobody advocates not breathing. We advocate liberty because there are people who advocate against liberty. Half of American young people are against free speech if it's hate speech. They don't understand how contradictory that statement is. If you're, if you're against giving what you call hate speech freedom, you're against free speech. By definition, what are you, pro-love speech? Nobody, nobody's against love speech. Of course, you, free speech means I have to allow somebody to say things I don't like. That's what free speech is, period. The human instinct is not liberty. The human instinct is to be taken care of. That's why socialism wins out, because socialism promises people will take care of you. Not liberty. The more socialism, the less liberty. But people don't want liberty. They want to be taken care of. That's a big danger. I, I have long believed that the toughest addiction to overcome is not drugs, not opioids, which are a form of drug, and not, not uh, alcohol, not gambling, not sex. The greatest, the toughest addiction to overcome is the addiction to free things. The addiction to benefits, as they're called, or entitlements. When you feel you're entitled... You will kill rather than lose that entitlement. That's, that's big. It's, it's utterly corrupting of one's character and soul to become addicted to, getting, to, to being taken care of. There are times when you can't help it. If you have Lou Gehrig's disease and you're paralyzed, you need to be taken care of. But the average benefit recipient is fine health-wise. They're not fine character-wise. Levi, oh no. Well, I, Levi, I didn't quite follow your, your question when I looked at it just before I went on here. Um, where does it say here? What is your view about or on uh, British conservatives. In my lifetime, it feels as if we are treated as the red-headed stepchild from our friends across the pond. Well, do you mean, the reason I didn't understand it is, do you mean uh, you're treated 
by conservatives across the pond as a redheaded stepchild or by Europeans across the channel. Oh, well, it says the pond. That means the Atlantic. That's not the, the... Okay, now I understand it. I thought of pond originally as the English Channel. The pond is the Atlantic. Okay. <coughs> yes, we do regard you. <laughs> that is accurate. <laughs> I'm sorry, but yeah, I'm going to level with you. Uh, yes, you are the, the, you are the I don't know, redheaded, but you are the stepchild. Of, of American conservatives. I mean, there are some great conservatives in Britain. Uh, go to this a great website in Britain, The Conservative Woman. That is one brilliant, deep, powerful conservative website. I had the author on my radio show. Uh, the One of the founders, I should say. Not the author. Uh, Laura Perrins, I think was her name. So, The Conservative Woman and and... Some others, I mean, some, you know, Douglas Murray, I don't even know if he calls himself a conservative, but he's, he's a Brit who is deeply thoughtful, written The Strange Death of Europe, which is an extremely important uh, book. But the party, the British Conservative Party, has very few conservatives. And certainly the notion of small government, which is what is defining of conservatism in America, is not common among uh, British conservatives. I wish it were otherwise. I'll finish with this one. Uh, it's a personal question. Lisa in Peoria, Arizona. How do I balance my desire to do good with patience with myself as an imperfect person? It can be very discouraging to make mistakes. Thanks for all the wisdom you share. Okay, so listen to this. So, let me repeat, how do I balance my desire to do good with patience with myself as an imperfect person? Well, since we're all imperfect, you, it, it, that's, that's a fact. That's just, you work on your imperfections. That's all you could be asked to do, work on your imperfections. But here's a great story, and I'll end with it. It is one of the most powerful stories I tell on this issue and related issues. Happened early on in my radio career. A man called my show, and he said, Dennis, help me out. I'm a really bad son. It was an adult man, in, in, I think in his 30s. I'm a really bad son. I said, really? Why are you a bad son? He said, well, I'll tell you. For 10 years, I have been, maybe he's 40, not, definitely not more. Uh, for 10 years, I have been, or whatever number of years, I have been the sole emotional and financial uh, su uh, support of my uh, sick mother, my ailing mother. And I have to tell you, there are times when I wish she would succumb to her illness. It's really tough on me, financially, emotionally, physically. And so sometimes I feel terrible telling you, Dennis, but I wish that the sickness just took her life. That's what he said. 
so I said, whatever, I don't remember his name. I said, sir, I just want to tell you, in my view, you are a great son, not a bad son. He actually thought I was laughing at him. He even said that. Why are you mocking me? I didn't even know what he was talking about. I said, mocking you? I am dead serious. You are a great son. He didn't even understand that I could be serious. And he said, what are you talking about? I'll tell you what I'm talking about. I judge you on by how you treat your mother, not what you wish for. That's the way you make peace with, with a lot of, of, of the bad stuff inside. Only judge your actions, not your thoughts. I don't care if you have bad thoughts. It's, it's between you and you. I care if you have bad actions. This he had great actions toward his mother. So how could he possibly be a bad son? And by the way, the opposite is the same true. There are people with great thoughts. Oh, I, I, I want to help the world. But your actions, you haven't done anything good. I don't care what you intend. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you wish for. I don't care what your fantasies are. It's of no interest to me morally or any other way. All I and the rest of the 7 billion people care about is how you act. That's how you make peace. That I do good, not do I feel good. <coughs> that's, that's it. That's the way to deal with your imperfections. Are, are, are you imperfect in your behavior? Like, obviously, everybody's somewhat imperfect. Nobody's perfect in their behavior either. But you have to judge your behavior. That's the key. You know what people do? People judge others by their behavior, and they judge themselves by their intentions. That's wrong. Judge you and everybody else by behavior. Good? Good. Thanks for being with me. I'm Dennis Prager, from my home to yours. God bless you, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for watching. If you'd like to keep these fireside chats free, please do by donating to PragerU.